0: What's up, guys? This is Rob Pearsall, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Legends cast. I, of course, am joined today by my co-host, Alex Corigliano-Micelli. Alex, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing today?
1: Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I was pretty tired all day. And then during my... Uh, I always take a hard snooze during my acupuncture and the beginning part of the chiropractor stuff. It, it's like like a hard snooze. Like, I don't feel any of the cupping. I feel like the first few needles as he's going in, and then I just hit the snooze button on my brain. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, dude, it's nice. You have a nice midweek ritual. Yeah. You've been going to, chiro- go to the chiropractor, and you've been going to acupuncture. I'm very jealous because I have never gotten acupuncture, but I've always wanted to, and I love the chiropractor, even though we talked about how it's a little bit of a fake science last week. A little bit. But a little bit. I like getting cracked. It's very satisfying.
1: Yeah, it's great. I had a good one. I, I'm like, I audibly moan. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't moan during it. But we'll be in the, uh, you know, I get all twist and turned. And I, when I feel the crack, I, go, I just let out a little a, a little content warning for those who have earphones on. I let out a little, oh, or, or I'll be like, oh, like that when I get cracked. And then I, co- I come out of the, uh, the room today after getting cracked and Caitlin's just laughing at me. <laughs> saying that everyone could hear me. I was like, well, I did not know that. It felt more private.
0: What would you do if the chiropractor, after you moaned, was just like, bro? <laughs> Question mark?
1: Or <laughs> right, right, um, as, as he's like, oh, you know uh, I'll see you Friday. Don't worry, I won't tell. And he gives you a little kiss on the forehead. I'm a forehead kiss. Yeah, that'd be nice. I had a
0: really, yeah. really good day today as well. I got coffee got kind of anxious from said coffee because I have a very low caffeine tolerance. I love coffee, but it just makes me so zooted. I get, I reap none of the benefits of coffee. Like it doesn't make me feel more energized. It doesn't make me feel less sleepy. It just makes me nervous generally. And every single day I have it, I don't have it every day, but every time I have it, I'm like, this is going to be so good. I'm going to be chilling. I love coffee. And then two hours later I'm like, Oh, I'm nervous. Are Are you having
1: it on like an empty tummy a lot of the time? Or is this just like how it always is?
0: No cuz today I had a meal beforehand. It was actually a very nice day. I went out to eat with one of my friends and then we got coffee and I had a full meal and it still made me anxious. So, but you know what? I'm 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 willing to accept that. I've accepted that about myself and I don't want to stop drinking coffee and decaf just seems like a little bit of a tease. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't hit the same, you know.
1: Well, I hope I hope someday you could get you could get past that. I always hate the 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 specific feeling of being anxious from coffee like i'm someone who i've dealt with a lot of anxiety in the past but the anxiety that's triggered from just too much caffeine is is just different because it's hitting it really you is. and you need it there's a, there's, a, there's a meme i've seen where it's just uh me me after getting zero hours of sleep the ca- and the and the coffee hits and it's just a skeleton but it looks extreme. I don't know how else to put it. It's it's like on fire or something. I'm like, yeah, that's totally how, like 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 gripping the chair. I'm like, yeah, that's yes. totally how it feels. That's that's I've been that in college. That was me my senior year of college in like the lecture center hearing about communication and just reeling.
0: Yes. I get like very I get very sweaty, like my palms get very sweaty from caffeine. And then I feel it like in my chest, like my my chest feels like very fluttery from caffeine. And I don't know, it just stinks because my dad, my brother were always very big coffee drinkers. Like my brother is 10 years older than me. And I remember when I was like a teenager, I would go, go over to his apartment and we would kind of just be chewing the fat and talking. And he would just be brewing pot after pot of coffee just drinking it and smoking cigarettes and we would just be hanging out and it was great. And I always like loved the idea of coffee for that reason. Always reminded me of my brother and I, I was a barista for a very long time and yeah, I just never quite like, I remember when I first started pulling shots of espresso, I would try every single one of them cause I wanted them to be perfect and I would be laying in bed at night at like 4am and my mind would just be going people. And I would just be laying there not being able to sleep. And it was it was terrible. But, um, you know, I love coffee culture and I love going to a coffee shop and hearing all the sounds and talking to the baristas and seeing what kind of coffee they serve. So it's always a nice experience, but I just wish that. And, and you're right. Yeah, I hope one day, maybe I just need to drink coffee like consistently every day for like a month. And then I'll probably get withdrawals and become addicted to it. But maybe that's what I need to do, you know?
1: Or maybe even just like a smaller cup
0: yeah like have less coffee right
1: yeah like are you are you like a diner cup diner mug of coffee or are you drinking like espresso
0: i'm so i love espresso especially this time of year i'm a big cortado guy like i love having a nice like cortado. cortado yeah yeah it's just like it's the perfect ratio of milk and coffee i like tasting you know, like more a, of the coffee yeah exactly but having a little bit of that froth from the milk a little sweetness yeah. from the milk um and then I'll have cold brew a lot in the summer. I really like cold brew, but cold brew, especially from the local place that I get it from, is like rocket fuel. So yeah. it's it just so what I do sometimes is I'll have like a, like I'll have like a cortado or something, and then if I want more coffee afterwards, I'll make myself like a decaf ice latte, or I'll have someone make me a decaf ice latte, and I you kind of get the coffee taste, but you're not consuming as much caffeine. So
1: all right, you, you're, in, uh, the way you described your brother, it felt like. It felt like your platonic, like, 12-year-old's idea of, of of a cool older brother.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really was, though. It's like he was someone who really influenced my music taste growing up, and I really just looked up to him. He always would pick his brain about things. And so, like, those moments were really, really formative. Like, I, I really could just, go, like, picture myself right back there sitting at his kitchen counter and talking about that stuff. So it was great. So, Keith, if you're listening... Love those memories, buddy.
1: Shout out to Keith. Um, Shout out little, to Keith. Little known fact, Rob's older brother, Keith Hernandez. Yeah, so that's what I wanted
0: to tell you. That's why I actually called this podcast today. This was an emergency podcast, even though we record every Wednesday, so it's mm-hmm. not an emergency. Mm-hmm. But yes, Keith Hernandez is my older brother, and you just can't tell because I don't have a mustache like him. So yeah,
1: Rob, Rob is a nepotism baby.
0: I am, I am. I'm an industry plant
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why you know so much Mets stuff because you have Keith in you all the time.
0: I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just a nerd. I, I research baseball, but meanwhile, it's just Keith Hernandez providing me info day after day.
1: Yeah, which you know, speaking of, you really get on your brother's ass about re-signing with S and Y because it's, it's, I'm starting to get nervous.
0: Yeah, me too, man. I, I really hope that that I, – I can't really imagine it not coming to fruition, but it would really hurt if like Jeff Passan drops a tweet at like 11.36 p.m. right on the eve of spring trading, like breaking news, Keith Hernandez to join St. Louis Cardinals broadcasting team. That would really hurt.
1: Oh, my God. Like I, I was getting ready to blast off a joke about like signing mega deal with Yes Network, and then you said – cardinals and that just sounded a little bit more plausible and my heart did sink a little bit and i wonder if the mic caught that
0: the i think even if the mic didn't even if the mic didn't catch it sound wise it caught it feeling wise the mic is actually an empath
1: (laughs) it is you know i've (laughs) spent enough time with it yeah
0: let's get into it enough about my coffee habits Enough about my fake brother, Keith Hernandez.
1: <laughs> made, made all that up.
0: Made all that up. It was a complete... I'm a phony.
1: There is no Keith.
0: There's no Keith. There's no Rob. I'm an AI.
1: Yeah, you know what? That makes a lot of sense.
0: I mean, you've never seen me in person.
1: So no, you this just has don't all don't been know. hypothetical.
0: Yeah. We've actually seen each other in person many
1: times. Yeah, we've And I'll see you on Sunday uh, at Climbing Wolf for the Super Bowl.
0: Super Bowl, uh, Yeah, but ba- a lot of news since we've since we've recorded last, not a lot of like baseball on the field moves. I mean, unless you care about Sam Coonrod being picked up, but Carlos Beltran is back in the front office or he's in the front. O- he's back with the Mets and he's joined the front office rather. Yeah, that that's was a a really big, that's job. really big.
1: Yeah. He was what a- do you think about that? Did you ever listen to him on the on the yes in the yes booth? No, I
0: haven't. Did you like him? Did he was he was he someone that you enjoyed listening to? Do you think he's a good like commentator?
1: I don't think he was. Uh, I don't think he's uh, a a a broadcast booth person. He, That's I don't fine. Think he, yeah, I don't think he found like his personality yet. But he'd always add something you know really interesting things. He knows so much about the game, but. I don't think the yes network was was the right I mean I mean also the yes broadcasts are boring. So I just don't think in general that was the right right place for him. But just I mean, psyched. So psyched. Um I haven't really thought about what like the long term consequences of this are yet. Like I don't know what what he wants to do. I mean, obviously once upon a time, he was signed as the Mets new manager. So obviously that's that part of the game is something that interests him and and draws him in. So I don't know if him being like a special assistant to the GM or or something like that in the GM's office. That's like around what his title is, is mm-hmm. what he wants to do long term. I mean, I know they're talking about like Mets team presidents and stuff, and we always thought that they'd hire Stearns and maybe they would hire Stearns next year, but maybe if they want to ride this out with with Epler, maybe Epler is promoted to like vice president of baseball operations, and then they groom Beltron to be the GM, or you know, around there, or something, but it, it's all very interesting to me. What do you, what were your thoughts?
0: I think that it was great, especially because originally I was very stoked about Carlos Beltran being hired as the Mets manager. I mean, growing up, you had. Or watching the Mets, you had Art Howe, you had Jerry Manuel, you had Willie Randolph, and Willie Randolph was a former player, but he was way before my time. And so Beltron was really like that first manager hire that it was like, oh, this is a, a guy who was so good with the Mets, and now he's coming back to lead the charge of this team. Like, that was really exciting, you know, th- to see him – being back in the dugout, calling the shots, post game interviews—like, I love Beltron. I loved him as a player, and so I was really stoked about that. Unfortunately, yeah, definitely things something got in messy.
1: the vein of Aaron Boone, but yeah,
0: exactly. I mean not that it was the same magnitude I think if the Mets hired like David Wright to be their manager but definitely like a superstar that once played for the team coming back in a different role where he's in the dugout again was really cool and I liked that a lot but unfortunately things got messy as we know he got wrapped up in the Houston Astros cheating the cheating scandal and he was named in that investigation because he was a former player and wasn't protected by the players association. So he was able to be named and the Mets kind of had their hands tied and ultimately let him go. But I think this is now the dust is settled. You see other guys that have gotten their jobs back, like Alex Cora with the Red Sox, um, AJ Hinch with the, with the Detroit Tigers. And, you know, Altuve, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and all those guys, they're still playing. So there's no reason why Carlos Beltran should be blacklisted. Like you were saying, he was – in the, in the yes booth. And the only reason he was really in the yes booth is because he's not man he wasn't managing the Mets. That wouldn't have been something that he would be doing if he wasn't coaching. So I think this is Steve Cohen, again, kind of writing the ship. The, Beltron, that was under the previous administration of him not being the manager, of being the manager of the Mets and then being fired. So this is, and Steve Cohen has really made it a priority to kind of write the ship with those things. Like, if you remember last year, I think he wanted Keith Hernandez to be around more of the players and Keith Hernandez had talked about how the previous ownership didn't really want him on the field so he Steve Cohen made it a priority to to have Keith go on the field and talk to the guys and obviously old timers day and everything so I'm really happy about Beltron being back and I wanted to kind of pose this to you because I don't know if we mentioned it, but what do you think about Carlos Beltran potentially being Buck Showalter's successor as the manager of the Mets? Because Buck Showalter, not that he's really old, he's in his late you know mid to late 60s, but I don't know how much longer he's going to manage. Like he, is he going to manage the Mets for 10 more years? Well, he could if he's feeling good, but we have to assume that at some point, Buck Showalter won't be managing the Mets anymore. And so could Carlos Beltran maybe find his way back to the dugout is what I'm curious about.
1: I mean, wow, I mean that that'd be something I mean, potentially do do teams typically like groom guys to be future managers? I mean, could you think of any other scenarios when you had a long term manager of a team and then their replacement well, I guess not long term manager, Buck what do you sound like a three, four year contract? Something like that. I think it was maybe three years. Yeah, hopefully, you know, I mean it would be terrible if you ever I don't think he'd This would probably be like the the long manager job where he actually didn't get fired at the end. Oh, I don't know. He might have actually he might have wrote out his entire contract with the with the Orioles, I think. But I mean, yeah, I can't do. Could you think of any where you had a manager in place and then their successor was was in house and it wasn't a scenario where they were fired and then the guy was rehired after a successful stint as the interim.
0: I mean I think usually you see it with like bench coaches. Like you see a lot of bench coaches go on to manage teams. Um, yeah, like I, I mean, th- like Matt yeah. Quatraro who Matt Quatraro who I think was with Tampa Bay he, or or Houston. No with, he with went yeah, on, I think it I think was think with he Tampa
1: got Bay, right? Yeah, no, he went was. on yeah. to the Royals.
0: He went on to the Royals. He's now the Royals manager and he's a guy that interviewed for the Mets job I believe and So you see bench coaches a lot. I just think for Beltron, like it doesn't who knows what his role is gonna be in the front office yet. I don't know if it's been decided, but I think it's just like it's him taking a step into getting back into the organization, you know. So you might see him maybe a year from now shuffled around. Maybe maybe he coaches in the minors or he has some sort of coaching role with the big league team. But who knows? I mean, maybe Beltron is just gonna be a front office executive. Maybe he'll just be like an assistant to the GM or something like that. But regardless, I think that having him back is just like, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing, especially for repairing a relationship that might've been a little bit severed because of what happened. Also, my cat is now rubbing his face against the mic. So he has joined us and he wants to be the center of attention. So please don't mind him. (laughs) He's like rubbing my hand. Uh, hi Daniel. (laughs)
1: <laughs> good old, good old Daniel
0: I'm gonna Alex I'm gonna just remove him from my table really quick so if you want to talk about um, Carlos Beltran for like five seconds go please go ahead by all means
1: yeah I mean I think this could be something that's very mutually beneficial for both parties too because he obviously has a lot that he could add he knows so much about the game he's always been revered as one of those smarter you know players who's very well respected there's he's Puerto, he's, he's Puerto Rican, so he's admired by a lot of Puerto Rican players. I know Rob; you would tell me off pod before about how he helped Francisco Lindor, you know, look for like a place to live in New York after being traded here, and and how Lindor kind of advocated to have them bring in Beltran in the first place. Him and Diaz, who's also Puerto Rican, so you, you kind of have like that major Puerto Rican presence. I mean, there's a, a significant Puerto Rican. Um, population in, in New York as well. You know, I think that's really, really important to to showcase. I loved it when the Mets did their uh did their Los Mets uniforms back in the day. And I always want bring them them back. to bring, bring them, them back. Bring them back. Absolutely the orange one
0: specifically. The orange, the orange one's so one cool. specifically need to come back. Yeah. I want an orange uniform for the Mets so bad. And especially, I would love the Los Mets. I'm fine with that. <laughs> also, Daniel's trying to get back on the table. Daniel, oh
1: my goodness! Stay down. Daniel just has a lot to say about Carlos Beltran, and and Daniel and, has main character syndrome. Yeah, I mean, we, he, Daniel's been brought up so much now on the pod; He's practically a co-host.
0: We need to have like a Daniel graphic made, like maybe a picture. It's like a graphic of me and you and Samson and Daniel in the like as like cartoons. That'd be really
1: cool. Oh my God, that'd be so cute. Okay, uh, let's remember that and we'll pocket that and table it for later. Uh, But anyway, something I was saying, like something very mutually beneficial for both parties. Like he's going to provide a lot of insight towards the Mets. Maybe he is being groomed for a future manager. I think whatever his role is in the front office, it's going to be something that communicates to. To the clubhouse, to Buck Shaw Walter, probably as well, because he's someone who who can communicate a lot of those things about baseball and then relay it to the players and kind of go back and forth with it with whatever data acquisition and scouting for other players. You know, maybe going to Puerto Rico and and scouting for like you know, for like future like signees and everything. I mean, there's just a lot that could go into it. It's it's very exciting. And then on the other hand, doing this for the Mets could be something to help rehabilitate his image a little bit too and and get him, you know, back on track to to get into the hall sooner.
0: Absolutely. And just to go back to what you were saying about Francisco Lindor and Edwin Diaz pushing for him to come back or pushing for the Mets to bring him back to the organization, Andy Martino of SNY had talked about how at the end of the season this past year, Francisco Lindor had asked Andy to kind of push – the idea of bringing Beltron back, kind of hoping to utilize the media as a way to bring Beltron back into the spotlight. He talked about how Beltron helped him find realtors and doctors in the area. He was someone that he went to when he was struggling a lot in his first season. And you remember Beltron too, when he first came over to the Mets in 2005, he had his struggles too. So and we all, we know Edwin Diaz is someone that has struggled a little bit. He had such a great year this past year, but when he first came over to the Mets, he struggled a little bit. So I think having someone like Beltron around that players trust, especially your big stars like your Lindor's, like your Diaz is really beneficial. And I think that also you look at, Beltron having worked with Billy Epler too. Billy Epler used to be in the Yankees front office around the time when Beltron played for the Yankees, so they have a pre-existing relationship as well. So it kind of just seems like something where now that the dust is settled, Beltron and Beltron has been working for ES Network, but some of these other guys like Hinch, like Cora, you know, Bel- uh, Altuve and Bregman, it's all kind of settled a little bit, at least to the point where it's not like. The, the spotlight's on them 100% that I think Beltran deserves another chance too. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up to begin with. But this episode specifically wanted to talk about some of those, those other front office things. I mean, Steve Cohen has been in the news a couple of times the last couple day, the, the last couple days. And the first thing being was that he kind of called out the other owners for not spending. And in a way where it was like, he is really not, – not that he's had a target on his back, but I think other, other owners have been critical of the way that he's spent and it's been such a big deal that Cohen has blown past the luxury tax and all these other things that other owners are a little mad. But you have to remember like there's nothing stopping these billionaire owners from, from spending, right? There's nothing stopping them from fielding a competitive team Sorry, had to get Daniel off the table again. He's something else. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean there's nothing stopping these these billionaire owners from spending, right? Steve Cohen is just the one that's doing it to this level because he's promised the Mets fans that he wants to field a winning team. So he's he's really following up on his word. So yeah, I mean even without Correa, Carlos Correa, which we know the deal fell through obviously and that's not going to happen, the Mets still have a 369.9 payroll going into this season and will be taxed 98.6 million for exceeding those luxury tax thresholds. Cohen talked to Jeff Passon of ESPN this past week, or the article was released this past week, obviously, and he said this. He said, I've heard what everyone else has heard, that owners are not happy with me. I hear things from people who are maybe more neutral, that they're taking a lot of heat from their fans. I kind of look at it like you're looking at the wrong person. They're putting it on me. Maybe they need to look more at themselves. I'm not responsible for how how other teams run their clubs. I'm really not. That's not my job, and there are disparities in baseball. We We know that to be true. I'm following the rules. They set the rules down. I'm following them. So, and I like that because it's true. It's like Steve Cohen shouldn't be the one that's, that's coming under fire. He has the money to do so. He's putting that money into the team. He's learned things over the, over the time that he's been an owner. And he talked about how he's spending more than I think he thought he would, but he's also making a profit off of this team too. It's like, he's making money off the team. So, and this is also something with Steve Cohen where it's like, he's someone who he's done a lot in just his short time here to kind of, like I said, mend those relationships with players kind of look back at the history of the team and, bring that to the forefront, but also to spend money like the previous ownership wasn't doing to field a winning team. So there's really no reason why a target should be on his back. But you know what? It is because you have these cheap owners like Kansas City, like Pittsburgh, like Cincinnati, like Colorado. Colorado made two moves this offseason, and their, their owner or their GM said, like, I think that's all. They said something like, that's about all the spending that we're good for this year or something. It's pathetic. You know, Pierce Johnson is a decent reliever, but he shouldn't be your marquee signing of the winter. I'm sorry to say that. It's just – it's not – that's that's unacceptable. Like, not even the Wilpons were, were that bad. Um, oh, at least they tried to awful. sign Rick
1: Porcello. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, the Rockies are an embarrassment. They should be – and this is, like, the part of baseball that really just drives me crazy because of the lack of of salary cap and kind of, like – A a unified vision of like what they want the on-field product to be. It still feels like a bunch of teams functioning independently of each other, who 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 just get angry at each other, and and they only and but that's really only a function of the fact that the the players couldn't agree on some type of of salary floor and and a. Like a uh, like a a cap? Like a cap a salary cap a cap. Yeah. Like, like a formal like a formal cap some type of cap for salaries too where where you know yeah like the the ceiling would be lowered for how much they can make but also like on on those big contracts but getting to those contracts sooner and having a higher like pay earlier on so that maybe it makes up for it since most of these players are getting these contracts after the peak years and then you have hesitant owners hesitant to pay them because they know that they're getting a lesser return for more money. Like that's how it's been. We had a huge spending spree this past year because there always is after a new CBA. And eventually they're gonna, you know, owners are gonna start to try to game it again and you're gonna have these weird standoffs. And and the result of this type of playing, and th- this has been a problem in MLB for its entire history. I mean the only reason the Yankees were ever what they were in in all of their former dynasties is because of the fact that they were able to exploit these differences by having an already established brand boost their their you know their their standing in the world and thus and thus payroll and they're able to you know get an edge. Um, they've kind of lost that, but not really because they're still second in spending this year. But this system has has beget the the Rays and the Rockies and and and. and you know allow them to do function like this where it's just you know talking to Eric before Colorado is such a a dedicated fun fan base with a beautiful stadium and that's something that MLB could really market you know we, we always talk about players and how it's a shame that certain players are wasted on these bad teams like the angels or whatever but the angels are at least trying to spend you know the angels are trying to put on a correct product they just keep Kind of doing it wrong, Uh, even even though the process doesn't always look bad. You know, it's like you you can't shame them for getting Pujols when they did, or or my boy at third base Rendon. You know, that's that kind. Who would have thought that it would that contact would wind up the way it is? But the Rockies are an embarrassment. The Royals are at least trying to revamp their their system. They've they've finally gotten like some some. You know, philosophy guys in there to to try to better develop their pitching and get guys who are you know more associated with the Rays again. That's kind of what every team does a little bit when they're trying to you know refine their systems. Is they get they borrow people from the Dodgers or the Royals or whatever. But it's just a mess. I mean, have you seen some of these comments from the the owners of like the Orioles and the Reds?
0: Um, the Reds, yes. I mean, the Reds had a pretty d- despicable offseason as well. The Orioles, I-, I haven't heard anything about them. At least with them, there's a little bit of hope. They have one of the best farm systems in baseball, and yes, we're going to get true. full seasons out of Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, and you have Grayson Rodriguez right in the wings. So at least with them, it's like they're finally seeming seeming to turn a corner, but I just wanted to add with, with the Rockies, too. It's like pathetic. You traded Nolan Arenado to the to the St. Louis Cardinals for a pretty awful package, and then because you didn't want to pay him but then you turn around and you sign Chris Bryant to that weird deal where it's like why didn't you just keep Arenado around then at that point it just doesn't make any sense to me it's just it really if I was a fan of that team it would be such a slap in the face like you trade away Arenado who's one of the best players in Rockies franchise history and then a year later you sign Chris Bryant who's been awful he was a hurt all, all year last year kind of forgotten about at this point, too. It's I like, totally what, forgot what can about even, Chris
1: Bryant, and he was he was a star in the game just a few years ago.
0: Remember, I mean, it was last year where the Mets were in on him at the trade deadline, like it seemed or a couple, like it was like two winters ago or something like that, uh, or at the deadline. I can't remember, but, but Bryant was a guy that Mets fans were kind of not clamoring for, but were maybe thinking that the team was going to acquire, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, they were hoping they'd get Chris Bryant over, over Javier Baez, and they yep. kind of pivoted towards Baez, really, because at the time Lindor was hurt, we needed a shortstop, and you know, whatever. I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on the Javier Baez trade because you know Pete. Crow we can talk about that for a awesome. whole other. We yeah, could talk about that episode. for a whole
0: other episode.
1: Yeah, but with with Chris Bryant, I mean, you you know you know what's going to happen. Is I feel like they must have had some wink wink deal with um, Scott Scott Boras because they needed someone to pay him. They had to save some face, especially after like what was going on with Conforto too. Like someone needed to sign Chris Bryant, and so they gave him 180 million. So you know, after his first good season, because it's still in him, and and the the ball should fly off his bat if once he gets going in Colorado. So once he has like a typical Chris Bryant year. Hopefully, you know, they're gonna to try to parlay that into some type of trade package and they'll get 100%. Like a little bit of it back, probably do the same thing where they where they eat, you know, a large chunk of the salary in exchange for, you know, whatever players in return since they don't know how to develop their own guys, and that when that will be their little success and everybody will win because, because Bryant will have gotten paid and and they'll get a few guys in return.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's the the way these these small market teams Operate, And I think Steve Cohen's absolutely right about, about how they should be held accountable instead of him having a target on his back. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up on a lighter note with Steve Cohen. He also talked to Howie Rose in an article that was released on Wednesday about certain things, including what could maybe go on outside the stadium when they revamped that area about the new scoreboard that the Mets are going to have their city field is going to have. And you've seen pictures floating around and it looks like it's going to be massive. But one thing that really stuck out to me is that, cause it seemed like it was, it was kind of lost in time or maybe not going to happen or maybe a joke. Bobby Bonilla day on July 1st every year, but Steve Cohen brought that back up today and really wants to have a Steve, uh, uh Bobby Bonilla, excuse me, ceremony every July 1st. And I think that, that would be really cool, and I think that that's something that fans were kind of excited about when he first brought it up. But obviously, if you're listening and you don't know, if you're a Mets fan, you probably know, but Bobby Bonilla had uh, had played for the Mets in the 90s and had, instead of the Mets paying him one lump sum of $5.8 million or whatever it was, Bonilla's agent proposed a money deferral, which would have saved the Mets money in the moment and would have deferred Bonilla money one, like in 1 million increments through for like 25 years or something like that, which is a great deal for him. But, and it also, I mean, for the Mets, it's, 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 yes, it's kind of LOL worthy, but in a weird way, they did, it did allow the Mets to sign Mike Hampton to pay Mike Hampton. And then the Mets got a compensation pick when Mike Hampton went to the Rockies that they ultimately used on David Wright. So it ended up being this weird roundabout thing, but Regardless, Mets Mets the Mets have been kind of clowned for that. But and I think it's really because you see so many and I was talking to Alex about this before the podcast started, so many players have deferments in their contracts now. But Bonias was really the first. It was really like one of the first big ones that happened. So I think that's why it sticks out so much. But like we were saying, Max Scherzer is being paid like fifteen million dollars for the next f- five years from the Nationals. Every year and, and he's still playing and he's playing in the same division as the Nationals. So and that's a lot of money. So maybe it's not as long as the Benea deal because that's going on till 2035. But the players do it and players have deferrals in their contracts and they they set that up that way. So it's not a new thing. And there's a lot of other examples. My buddy Mike Mayer from Mets Marais, He has a thread that he does every year. I a think genius it's pin- thread. Yes. And I think he has a pin to his profile. So if you guys want to check it out, you could go check it out. But anyway, what do you think about Bobby Bonilla Day, Alex? And what would you like to see happen at a Bobby Bonilla Day? Like what kind of ceremony would you like to see? What kind of events would you like to see? What kind of anything that you think would be fun as a fan to see if their Mets were to have a Bobby Bonilla Day at Citi Field?
1: I kind of think the whole thing is funny. So it's not something I'm particularly interested in. But let's just lean into the the silly. Um, Bobby Bonilla bobbleheads where the different parts of the bobblehead are, bobbleheads are deferred so you have to keep coming to games to get the the you know once a year get another part of the bobblehead and after like 15 years you have your full bobblehead I'm thinking we could also do some type of fake out where you mentioned the the linkage between Bobby Benilla how it enables us to get Mike Hampton which enables us once he's traded to get that comp or once, once he signed somewhere else to get the compensation pick that winds up as David Wright. So, why not event? um Not an event. That'd be crazy. But invite a bunch of Mets players. You could, you know, have and and they could just be on the silliness, like, oh, you know, we're we're joking when yada yada yada. But just find that way to get David Wright into the building, uh, and you're like, we well, you know, we're celebrating bye Bonilla Day, and players and, and fans are like, why is Mike Hampton on the field too for this? This is such a weird thing. And David Wright's there, and everyone's just kind of like, all right, I mean, Steve Cohen's just kind of being silly at this point. But, you know, whatever. I'm here. I'm having my hotel comp. This is a cool thing. And then, bam, fake out. It's a David Wright number retirement ceremony.
0: Wow, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. I think that, especially, it's like, I don't know... <laughs> You know, it's it's really – because you got to think about it at this point, too. You're looking at doing an event every July 1st for 10 more years, essentially, right? 12 more years or whatever it is. So you can't just do the same thing over and over again of just having Bonilla come July 1st. But I think that's a good idea of, like, parlaying it into doing something else, too. Like, you could always bring back – do you remember, like, Banner Day or whatever the Mets used to do where people would – what if they did like Bobby Bonilla ceremony and then banner day or like, like you said, a number retirement or like right before old timers, they have that be another year, right? Where you have the Bonilla shakes Cohen's hand and he gets the big check and then he suits up and he plays in the old timers day too. Like that could be something that's cool too. Um, or maybe like, I don't know you have Bonilla like join the broadcast booth for his game or so. I don't know like any I of like those kind of things yeah. would be great. So I think that's like a fun thing. I would be very and I think it might even be one of those things that gets a little funnier like each year like it's like oh July 1st like you know what that means is Bobby Bonilla Day at City Field like what antics are going to happen this year.
1: He just comes. He just parachutes in from like off of a jet plane onto on, onto the pitchers mound. We hand him a check and he just leaves.
0: Or like evil Knievel style where he shoots out of a cannon. He's wearing like one of those like red, white, and blue helmets and like a like a like a one piece jumpsuit and he cannonballs from like the from like home like home plate into the big apple and then the big apple comes up with him on top of it and Steve Cohen is also on the apple and, and gives him the check, like yeah, something like that would be awesome.
1: You're, you're not thinking big enough, my brother. I'm saying Bobby Bonilla is the apple. We don't know it. We're like it's it's a one year thing, right? This year, it's you know, it's whatever. It's a, it's a fun thing, and then we don't expect it to happen every year. Like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this every year, and then we get to July first next year, and we're like, see, look, it's not happening. Very silly, whatever. And then Pete Alonso hits a mammoth of a home run, and Bobby Bonilla just launches out of the hat in Little An Apple. Pete-
0: and then Pete Alonso crosses home plate and unzips his face, and it's actually Bobby Bonilla in a Pete Alonso costume. Whoa, that'd be
1: pretty twisted.
0: That would be like that episode of I Think You Should Leave where – Tim Robinson's character puts on like that giant like freakish human <laughs> costume and goes into the mall and
1: <laughs> it's like my it's favorite like, thing.
0: He's like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't, I don't even want to be
1: alive anymore. I've got too much shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> is this for the is this for the good? Is this for the common good? He's
0: like, he's like, we're not doing this get anymore. All right, take it off. But what are we going to do instead? <laughs> <laughs> Great show. Highly recommend that we're not sponsored by I think you should leave, but I wish we were but we can be um, Alex. This is not this is not something that we talked about before the podcast, but it made me think about it. So and also please forgive me if I if I pronounce this his name wrong, but I believe it's Jim Bowden uh, or Jim Bowden mm-hmm. from the front the, the the baseball analyst who used to be a front office executive with, with I believe the nationals but he had talked about in the athletic about a potential realignment of what leagues could look like in baseball. And I think he, he, cause baseball is going to expand at some point to 32 teams. I think that's kind of inevitable. And he talks about when that happens, like what could realigning the leagues look like and the Mets would be in Bowdoin's proposal in a league with the Boston Red Sox, the Yankees and the Phillies. And I just think that that would be extremely chaotic. It would lead to so much crazy stuff. Can you imagine how chaotic that division would be? The Mets and the Yankees playing in the same division. The Mets and the Phillies obviously still in the same division. And the Yankees and the Red Sox. Like just those four teams together would just be so insane. I mean, we'd that, play like, each of those
1: teams like 12 times a year in, in, in this realignment. Which is crazy. I mean, I
0: can't imagine. Like, yes, it would, it would be crazy insane to play the Yankees that many times it would be very competitive i think that it would definitely ignite a rivalry because like the Mets and the Yankees don't have a rivalry right now i mean it's fun to watch them play each other but they don't have a real rivalry right now there's no bad blood between those teams like it's more for the fans to have bragging rights truthfully but like there's no there's no rivalry between the Mets and the Yankees it's just not no. um, but but if they played each other like the Mets and the Braves do you you bet your ass that there's going to be a rivalry. So that would be cool, but like, I don't know, like it would be way too weird to be in a division with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the, I don't know, that would just be like a really, really like chaotic, chaotically evil division, in my opinion.
1: I mean, I can't even fathom it. And this is like what this idea that Jim Bowden floated, especially with with the Phillies, Red Sox, Yankees, and Mets being in the same division is, isn't a unique, uh, uniquely new thing. Jim Bowden, I don't know. I feel like the athletic gave him a nice writing contract when when he became available, and then they've just been like, "Well, I guess he's gonna have to just keep publishing things because everyone else <laughs> out there who posts things in MLB General, whether it's um, you know trade speculation, uh, you know who who's gonna sign this summer, all those other things, everyone else does it better. Jason Stark, Rosenthal, Andy McCullough, those guys all do it better on the who are the national writers, and then there's this Jim Bowden who. Who post things every every year with like very little analysis, a lot of like lists like this, and I've I've seen this idea floated before, like in the past. It's 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 not new, and it's it felt just as chaotic then. Now we're gonna have expansion. I think this expansion also has to include because they're not gonna they're not gonna add new teams until the situations with the athletic uh, with the athletics in Oakland. And with the Tampa Bay Rays until that's settled. And so they
0: might, they might move
1: too. they I have mean, to, it's ridiculous. It's going
0: to become, they're, be, they're going to become the Vegas A's, or the, like, maybe they'll, they won't even be the A's at all. But I, I don't mean, want
1: I, baseball in, in Vegas, that, that seems like what it's going to be because, because of what happened with the Raiders and everything. But I just don't want Vegas. Yeah. And the golden Knights, they're obviously looking to exploit that. But I think baseball, uh, you know, with balls being launched into the air, unless you have like a super pressurized dome or whatever, you forget that Vegas is pretty also a high altitude, and it is, yeah. And, and the 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 minor league affiliate that we had there was awful for for the club because you just couldn't judge the the offense in, in a correct way because everything would just fly. I really don't like the idea. I think also it doesn't make sense to expand there so much. I think it's like the popular idea now, especially with gambling kind of being like okayed, but you, you kind of want to focus on, on cities that have a, a younger population that is only growing and Vegas skews old. And I guess it makes sense with baseball because you typically it's like older people who like baseball. Baseball has the highest like average age um, uh, of fans in all like the major sports leagues. The other ones skew younger, especially basketball. But I think if you want like long-term success, if you don't want a situation like Florida where the average age is older down there as well and nobody goes to Tampa Bay Rays games, you you want to go somewhere that has like more of like a, a hip city you know like I like I think the most popular ideas I've seen for expansion teams, the ones that seem to be the most like generally widely accepted is like Nashville, and something like Charlotte, Durham, like like that area over there. But I, I, me, per, I mean, this is a personal thing, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Portland makes a lot of sense too for for an expansion. So I think Portland needs to, needs to have one. They're like a huge, you know, really cool market. And then you you want to if you get another Canadian team, that's one that you you get the entire country kind of like a, as your fan. So you're, you're roping in that many more fans. To pay for the product of baseball. I mean, you know, I, I get all all that just to say, I hate, the, I hate the idea. You are gonna have realignment. It should just be like the top seven teams or whatever in that like respective league that gets in, instead of doing it like solely by division. So that you don't have this weird thing where your ninety win Cleveland Guardians team that doesn't even that plays the worst competition in all of baseball because they play in the American League Central doesn't have this arbitrarily weird like amount of wins even though they're not exactly as good as some of these other teams that are duking it out in the East.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like you said with Vegas, you had guys like when the Mets farm system was out there when they were the 51s, you had guys like Kevin Kazmarski who like had a really high average and Travis Tyrone who was, who was hitting absolute missiles and, yeah, there was just it was really there was really no way of determining what they what those guys were going to be like at the major league level. So yes, there was a big discrepancy there. But I'm just going to read off the rest of the divisions that Jim Bowden pr- proposed. So the East Division is like what we mentioned the the Red Sox, the Mets, the Yankees, and the Phillies. Then there would be the North Division, which was the Cincinnati Reds, the Cleveland Guardians, the Detroit Tigers, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Then there was the Mid-Atlantic Division, the Baltimore Orioles, uh, Charlotte expansion team, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Nationals. The Southeast Division would be the Atlanta Braves, the Miami Marlins, the Nashville expansion team, and the Tampa Bay Rays. And then in the Western Conference, you'd have the Midwest Division, which is the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Minnesota Twins. The Southwest Division of the Houston Astros, Kansas City Royals, St. Louis Cardinals, and Texas Rangers. The Pacific Coast Division of the Colorado Rockies, the Oakland slash Las Vegas A's, Seattle Mariners, and San Francisco Giants. And then the West Division of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Los Angeles Angels. Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres. The thing is, I think I'm fine with realignment. I don't like, I don't mind how they do it in hockey where you have the Eastern conference and the Western conference, the the devils and the Rangers and the Islanders kind of all play in the same division, but they're, they're the Eastern conference. Right. So it's like, it's like, you look at like the Bruins and the devils and the maple leaves, like, like the Bruins and the Devils are not in the same they're not in the metropolitan they're not the Bruins aren't in the metropolitan division with the Devils but they they're still competing for the playoffs in the same conference you know so it's like if you're going to do that like I feel like you can't have it be like cuz you look at like the division excuse me I'm sorry I say like so much but you look at a division such as Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Washington and a Charlotte expansion team that is so bad and then the Red Sox, the Mets, the Yankees and the Phillies is so good. Like the level of competition is just so skewed and all over the place that you would have to think about, having the playoff format be like by record by conference like so it's like yeah like the top seven teams in each division are the ones that make it not like the Red Sox just edged the Yankees out by one game in the East division so they're going to make the playoffs and the Phillies and the Mets are also screwed like you kind of have to have it be like all right you're going to have 14 playoff teams and it's going to be the top seven and that's how they're going to that's how it's going to be so but I don't know Jim Bowden is one of those guys too, where like he's always around the trade deadline has these rumors. And they never come true, so he really just frustrates me. You know, I'm really sorry, but like he's just he's a frustrating person. Yeah,
1: and gosh, you you naming those those divisions to like like the the the, what was the Midwest one, whichever one it was that had the Atlantic Division with the Pittsburgh Pirates, the expansion team. I mean, that's like that's a that's the the difference between you know the skills that whatever of, of those two different divisions is is so large that's a totally different league like like that's relegation you know that is you have your actual like your premier league on the east coast and then you have this minor league i mean that's what that would be and something like that only exists that, that, that something that would could have that type of disparity only exists because of the lack of a salary cap of an actual real salary cap and a salary floor because now these all of those teams especially between boston yankees phillies and the mets all them playing each other
0: yeah their salaries would
1: only go up you know like those payrolls would only go up and everyone would want to go over i mean it would i mean it would be electric um Makes me scared of like where the Mets would wind up in in that division. Although I think we'd fare pretty well now, Uh, less less, and and you know, and (laughs) none of those teams could could brag about beating up on the Marlins, Nationals, the Orioles when they're bad. The I mean, even this current iteration of the Red Sox, whatever. But you know, like historically, like we're teams at the bottom. Whereas I mean, and, and part of this realignment is the fact that now that we have this new thing in baseball where we're going to play every single team, which I'm so thrilled. I, I really hope they don't trade Ohtani so that I could see the angels and see Ohtani and Trout together in August uh, at, at city field. It'd be amazing. But now that we actually like play everybody and you play the people in your division a little bit less, I think that does kind of level the playing field a little bit where those teams in the central won't stack as many wins because they're not solely beating up on, you know, the, those awful Tigers teams and, and Reds and Pittsburgh teams at the bottom anymore but you know they're still playing them and it just it just doesn't feel I don't want to say fair because I think no matter what like the better teams prevail but I mean I don't know you look at that 06 Cardinals team and they only had like 86 wins but they were clearly better than their record and something like that I don't know baseball's just weird and I don't it's so hard to the the current trend in baseball with analytics is is really just this obsession of trying to accurately measure things and how could you get an accurate measure of like how good an actual team is when when you're able to stack wins the way that some of these, you know, super elite teams do like the Dodgers where you know we have Every year now, there's a team, at least one team or a few teams, that get like 105 plus wins or like 100 plus wins, which they used to be more unique. But these teams really aren't as good as those records because they're playing a lot of like garbage, bottom of the division teams that only get worse by the trade deadline because they sell off their best players. You know, it's it's just weird. This only exists in baseball.
0: Baseball is like the
1: ultimate microcosm of capitalism in sports.
0: Yeah, and also like like you said, like other sports that utilize realignments or they've they've done realignments or whatever they have these these kind of different divisions than baseball does they other sports also have salary caps and salary floors so it's a different thing like you said, I think you made a good point where you talked about how it would just be like the Yankees and the Mets trying to outspend each other. The Phillies also doing the same thing. Like the, the teams that spend a lot would just spend more. And the teams that like suck would probably just spend less because they, they weren't, they're not challenged. Like, are the nationals really going to spend a lot of money to try to beat out the Orioles who they who aren't spending money? Like, no, they're not. They're going to do the bare minimum. So thankfully, Jim Bowden is kind of an unreliable narrator and, it's not going to happen, probably the way that he mapped it out. But I think it was like just like an interesting thing, like to kind of just talk about. But uh, before we we get on to remembering some guys, I want to just do a little reveal of the full Mets legends dream team. Thank you guys so much for voting. Yes, we've finally rounded out the roster. We will be releasing the full 40 man roster at some point around when this podcast comes out. So look out for that, but let's get a little drum roll and I will announce this team. All right. So at catcher Ramon Castro at first base, Mike Jacobs at second base Caswell Matsui. At, at shortstop, Wilmer Flores. At third base, Ty Wigginton. Oh, in left field, Benny Ogbayani.
1: Ooh, that Benny boy! Ooh!
0: <laughs> in center field, Captain Kirk Neuenheis.
1: Oh, that guy going to the
0: stars! And in right, Lastings millage aka blastings thrillage. No doubt, no doubt. And then rounding it out at DH Maurice Mo Vaughn.
1: Ooh, ooh, that ball get hit.
0: For the pitching staff, your ace of the Mets Legends dream team, Bartolo Colon.
1: Big sexy.
0: Number two, behind Bartolo, you have John Main.
1: That boy, the greatest pitcher of all time.
0: After that, we have Dice K, Matt Suzaka.
1: He's up there.
0: At number four in the rotation, Chris and his wife, Anna Benson. Woo! And then rounding out the rotation, Mike Big Pelf, Pelfrey.
1: Love you, Big Pelf. Come back. In
0: the the bullpen, we have our staff picks, Glendon Rush. Let's go. And Jason Izzy Isringhausen. Yeah, yeah. At Long Relief, we have Carlos Rubber Arm
1: Torres. (laughs) Still love you.
0: In Middle Relief, we have the robust hitter, Daisung Ku.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Robust.
0: And we have the man with the puka shell necklace, Turk Wendell. Turk Wendell. The lefty specialist we have, Perpetual, Pedro Feliciano, RIP. The setup man, Aaron Heilman. Um, Unfairly maligned. Unfairly, yes, I agree. He was pretty good, but that's, that's a topic for another article or podcast topic. And then our closer, the fan favorite, Armando Benitez.
1: The biggest surprise, I still the biggest surprise of this whole thing, I think, is Armando Benitez getting that.
0: Yeah, and then here's our bench and our coaching staff. We have for our utility infielder, we have Super Joe McEwing. You. We have Mets legends, Instagram follower Andy Chavez in outfield as the fourth outfielder behind yeah. the cat behind the dish, backing up Ramon Castro. We have the Omiracle Omir Santos. And then our pinch runner slash super utility man, we have EYJ, New Jersey's finest, Eric Young Jr. Woo. The hitting coach is none other than Donnie Stevenson.
1: Of course.
0: We have the pitching coach, the track suit, Rick Peterson.
1: An actual legend.
0: And for our manager, leading this ragtag group is mustache Bobby Valentine. (laughs) (laughs) That That one could have went... In a lot of different directions. I'm glad that Mustache Bobby V won. We'll round out the forty man roster for this weekend, but we are so happy with how things turned out. Obviously, I would have liked to see Suyoshi Shinjo secure a outfield spot, but the fans spoke and that's what it's all about. And so we got so much interaction for this. It was so fun to do it the last few weeks or so. So thank you guys so much. Look out for more things like this throughout the season, maybe next off season. Last year we did the the Mets Legends Mount Rushmore, which I believe had I think it was Lasting's Millage, Ed Crane Pool, and to, uh, I can't even remember who was on that at this point. I'll have to update that next week for for you guys. But check that out if you if you if you search our tweets or whatever. I'm sure you'll find it. But this was so fun to do, and this was like really my dream. It was to create a match Legends dream team. So it was so much fun, and um, we got a lot of great interactions from you guys. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll be taking into consideration the players that, excuse me, the players that you guys wanted that maybe didn't make a starting role and we'll include them on the 40, man. So I'm really stoked about it. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that before we get into remembering dudes, which is personally my favorite part of the podcast. So Alex, are you ready for that?
1: Oh, I am, I am ready.
0: So since you researched the guy beforehand, would you like me to ask you questions to figure out the guy to start off with? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. all right. All right. So did he play during the two thousands? Yes. Like that decade specifically like the two like two thousands?
1: No. Oh, you mean the early aughts? No.
0: Okay. The, yes. The aughts. I forgot about that. So he played in like the 2010s. Yes. Okay. Is he a possession player?
1: He is a position player.
0: Is he an outfielder? No. Is he a middle infielder?
1: No. Is he a catcher? He is a catcher.
0: Oh. 2010's catcher. Was he post-2015? No. Was he primarily a starting catcher? No. Ronnie Paulino? Noi. Mm. Well, he did start a little bit, so that was a bad guess. Okay. Was he on the... Oh, you know what? I'm gonna guess Kelly Shopik.
1: Nuh-uh, but I, you just reminded me that he exists. <laughs>
0: <And> the Mets <laughs> almost traded Jacob Degrom for him as well.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> Did he play? Jesus, back. So he's a backup catcher. D-
1: yeah, definite, definite backup.
0: And he was pre 2015.
1: I might even say emergency backup.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Damn this. This is a hard one. I I, I like this. Did he play on the 2011 New York Mets?
1: Later than that.
0: 2013?
1: No. Later.
0: 2014. Okay.
1: 2014. All right. I'll, g- I'll give you uh, a, a hint for that. He he had 30 plate appearances total.
0: Whoa. He was obscure. And that was that his only year as a Met? Yeah. Did he come up through the Met system? No. Okay. Oh, Johnny Manel? No. Damn. No, he was on the 2015 team. Okay, so he didn't come up through the med system. You said that he was like kind of an emergency catcher.
1: Yeah, because um, I'm sure he, I don't remember him. So he definitely wasn't like their backup catcher in the year, not one of the two they carried. He played okay. nine games.
0: Oh my God. And he was a, did he, was he like a, 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 a guy who was like a journeyman player? Did he play like on other major league teams?
1: Yeah, he's got to be a journeyman player. Not a lot of games each season. The most he ever played was in 2009 with the Texas Rangers. He played in 60 games that season.
0: Oh, my Lord. Texas Rangers in 09. Whoa, 2014. Yeah, it was like the Josh
1: Hamilton years.
0: This is a good question. I like this. 2014, I'm trying to think of, like, who was on the team that year. That was post-Josh Tolian, Mike Nickius. Mm-hmm. Darno was, was probably the primary catcher that year, um, or he definitely was. Um and Ploecki wasn't up yet at that point. Twenty fourteen. He was nine games, thirty appearances. Wow, this is a good one. Um did was that his last season? Like ever, did he play anywhere else after the Mets?
1: In the year after so in the year before he played in the two years before he played with Baltimore, so he came up with Texas, twenty twelve and thirteen was with Baltimore, and twenty fifteen with was, was with Chicago. The White Sox or the Cubs? Oh, the Cubs. And that was his last season. He, and in that season, he appeared in eight games with 15 played appearances.
0: Whoa, well, I am thoroughly stumped. I'm going to hear it and be so upset that I didn't get it. Um, I'm going to need you to just tell me. I don't, I don't really have a guess. I'm drawing com- a complete blank. You really stumped me this time.
1: Okay. Taylor Garden. Oh,
0: man. Yes. Oh, I can't believe I didn't get that. Yes, Taylor Teagarden, he hit that grand slam against the Brewers at City Field. It was, uh, I think it's probably the only home run he hit as a Met too. Yeah, Ugh. Teagarden, that's it. That was a good one, man. That was a really good one. Uh, I,
1: you know, what? I wish I gave you some type of um, hint like that, like some type of um, caveat, because uh, uh, I, hmm, yeah, that's,
0: it's uh, okay. I, I like. Awesome. I would have, I would have gotten him at some point, but like just for the sake of brevity, like I'm not gonna, I wasn't gonna. Keep it keep it going.
1: Yeah, that should so. have been like a, a, a hint I gave. Like like when I was giving you the breakdown of like nine appearances, one of them, a grand slam.
0: Yeah, it's that I would have gotten. But anyway, that was a good one. Definitely, definitely try to stump me again next week like that. I loved it. So, okay, yeah. T so T I'll Garden, make sure to really
1: out. do my research going into this every time. Cool. Especially now that um, we do the 20 questions things. Cause I wasn't doing that at first because we weren't doing it that way. So Yeah. I this like the way, twenty questions format. Yeah. Do
0: you want to take a guess of who I'm thinking of?
1: Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Just for the hell of it, did he play in the '90s? No. Yeah, we never go back that far. Hmm. Way later. Okay. So, did he play in the 2010s? Later. Later. Okay. So, yeah. so in the last three years. Yep. Was he? <laughs> is he on 2020? Later. Okay. Okay. 2021. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he played in 2021. Was he a position player? He was position player. Okay, 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 okay. Um, was he in the infield? No. Okay, so he was an outfielder. Yep. And I'm assuming it's not the recently uh, the the recently released uh, Khalil and disgraced Khalil Lee. Not Khalil Lee. No. Yeah, definitely not Khalil Lee. Why, why even go there? Um, hmm. it's like crazy how, how recent this is too. And my brain is like, oh, who was there? Dolly Marte wasn't here yet. So obviously that means nobody. Not Conforto? No, he was, I'll give you a hint. He was just on the Mets that one season and that was it. They weren't even, uh, Dominic Smith was getting some outfield time, but obviously that wasn't his lone season. Was he, did he come up with the Mets? No. Okay, so like a, was he more of a journeyman type or like a veteran
0: He wasn't like a veteran. He was more of like a, he was more of like a, yeah, I guess you could say he's a journeyman, but like he hasn't been in the league for that, that long, but he did like pass through the Mets that year in 2021. He didn't end the season with them, but he played with them briefly in 2021.
1: And he's still playing today.
0: He is. I don't know if he played in 2022. I could check, but he's probably kicking around somewhere in, in the minors Okay, Uh, so my
1: brain's kicking alive now because I'm just remembering some of these players. So was it Kevin Pilar?
0: It was not Pilar.
1: And VR never saw outfield time. Oh, uh, uh, Cameron Mabin?
0: It's a good guess, but not Mabin. Uh, I'll give you another hint. He was at one point traded for J-Hap
1: early on in his career. Like J-A-Hap.
0: Yeah, he was traded for him early on in his career. Along with another Met that played that year, who was just on the Mets for that one season in
1: 2021.
0: Yeah, they both, the two guys that were traded for Jay hap also played for the Mets in 2021, and it was just that one year that they played for them.
1: And, and just just a random coincidence that they were playing together for yes. the Mets that year. They were acquired well, different see, ways. Okay, see, this is stumping me because Jay Happ w- was on the on the Blue Jays, and and Pilar was on the Blue Jays too at one point. So this is. And, crazy. and it's not Cameron Maybin. So did he have like a lot of at-bats with the Mets that year? Because I know that, you know, he had these weird injuries. So a lot of random guys got a lot of at-bats. He played
0: 39 games for the Mets, and he had 102 played appearances. Um, I'll tell you the other teams play. that he played for as okay. well. He's played five years. He's bounced around a lot. He started out his career with the Yankees, went to the Blue Jays, played for them for a couple years, played for the Brewers, the Mets and the Dodgers in 2021. And then this past year, he played 23 games with Oakland.
1: Oh, he has never. Uh, p- oh my gosh. Oh, I know. I know. Ex- oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Cause he was on the Dodgers a little bit. I think we even uh, might've played against him either that or when he was with Oakland. Um, Oh, this is going to kill me. Um, he hit a home run with the Mets.
0: Yeah. He had five, five home runs with the Mets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think at, w- at one point I was like, could this be the guy? You know, is yeah. he gonna play more? And then, you know, he didn't, uh, and we were pretty upset when we released him, uh, right? Because he he was he was designated for assignment, right? And then and then turned into a trade or something.
0: Yeah, the Mets traded him to the Dodgers,
1: right? For a release, like picture? just like a like a like
0: a like an outfield prospect, like no one yeah. like really like crazy.
1: May... not Mayberry. What? Uh, I can't remember his name.
0: Billy McKinney.
1: Uh, Billy McKinney, yeah, I knew there was like an M there in that last name, Billy McKinney. Yeah,
0: that's a good Billy one, McKinney. and I'm
1: mad that I couldn't come up with the name.
0: We both stumped each other this time, so I think that's that's good. You know, we both we both had good legends to pick.
1: And I think it was uh, I think we're getting better at asking questions.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. great episode. It was great talking to you as always, Alex. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Mets period legends on Twitter at Mets Legends. Give Alex a follow at Seltzer underscore Poppy, P-A-P-I. And I'm on Twitter at R-T Pearsall, P-I-E-R-S-A-L-L. We will catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Peace out, everyone.